0: Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels, talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 181 of a yank on the footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio. Thanks for giving this episode a listen. In this episode, I'm going to look back at round 15 as well as some of the big news in the early part of the week, and there was some extraordinarily big news. Now folks, I do have to apologize. I am a day late with this. Uh, I had a uh, birthday, uh, well, Monday, and uh, this is kind of an interesting one for me because it happens to be the same age that my father was when he passed away, so I'm a little... uh, I don't want to say nervous about it, but uh, to say I'm concerned, to say I'm not concerned would be a bit of an understatement. So, um, his his father was 69 when he passed away. My father was 59 when he passed away. I just turned 59, but I will tell you, 49 scared the hell out of me because I thought that's when I was going. So made it to 59. I guess you could say I am looking forward to being 60 next year. So those of you who did reach out and wish me happy birthday, I truly truly appreciate that. Was a uh, that was really, really neat. And I am going to call on all of you here in the not too distant future. Now, I'm not going to say anything more about this, but it's a little favor I'm going to ask of of as many of you as can participate in this, but I don't want to say too much about it right now because uh, somebody might hear it. And I want to make sure that this is, uh, when I talk about that, that's something that they don't know about. They might have a bit of an idea now because they're probably going to hear this. So, again, I was a day late, had the birthday. Also, full disclosure, I uh, over the weekend as I was watching footy, I pretty much went between watching footy and uh, binge-watching Season 2 of Underbelly, which uh, I watched the first season uh, back in our springtime, probably back in March or April, and I hadn't, had not gotten back into Season 2 yet. But what a really, really interesting series uh to just kind of see how criminal activity took place or was happening in Australia and, I, and this was set in the 70s and 80s right now and I guess it goes back even further in time later on in the series but I, I have to tell you I really enjoy watching uh actor by the name of Roy Billing or Billings uh on this show he played a character by the name of Aussie Bob if you have not seen this yet and uh, he's also on Jack Irish as well, which is a show I really enjoy watching. And if you happen to be here in the United States watching uh, television, this is on uh, the V channel through Amazon. And it's a standalone thing on your Roku or on your uh, Fire Stick. But it's a, it's a free Amazon channel. And it has, you know, a half dozen 40-second commercials during the course of each episode. But it's a really, really neat sh- series if you're into... Uh, the Wire or Homicide, Life in the Street, or, you know, just some of the grittier cop shows, The Shield, if you will, Justified, I think you would like this one. So if you've not checked it out, I think, especially if you're a footy fan, there are a lot of footy references that get dropped in this one. Uh, one scene here uh, in this uh, season, they came into a pub and uh, the the men in the pub were singing the Richmond team song, so... That was kind of fun. Uh, but Folks, don't forget that if you're interested in having your local footy club get a shout-out during an upcoming episode, drop me a note via email or as a message on Facebook or Twitter or over on Instagram. Uh, Twitter's yank underscore on. Instagram, just look for a yank on the footy or over on Facebook, a yank on the footy podcast, or search out my name, Craig Wessels. Now, today's Club of the Episode is being sponsored by MickAussie.tv. And MickAussie.tv is run by Kim Harrison, or as he's known here in North America, MickAussie. Uh, Mick has spent a little over 20 years, almost 25 years now, running his sports comedy channel, uh, talking about the NFL, of course, uh, the AFL, the Canadian Football League, as well as the NBA, the NHL. He's also regularly on uh, the Sports Grid TV network with Gabe Morency. And today's Club of the Episode are the Darley Devils Football Club. And the Devils are part of the Ballarat Football League. They're based in Bacchus Marsh, Victoria, and they play their games at Darley Park. And this is a club that uh, Zach Butters played for when he was younger uh, before heading to South Australia. The club was founded in 1919, originally as the Magpies. And between 1934 and 57, they won nine premierships. They transitioned names because they joined... Uh, a league uh, in the 80s that already had a club by the name of the Magpies, so they came, they came up with the Devils. Uh, their, their jumpers do look an awful lot like Port Adelaide's uh, prison bar jumpers, which I'm going to say they exist, okay, Port Adelaide supporters. In uh, 2015, they won their first BFL Premiership. And last weekend, it was kind of interesting as I was reading through their website, they actually had four sets of brothers playing on the senior side uh, in the same game as they defeated uh, Lake Wenduri, 109 to 23. So best of luck, devils, on the rest of your fixture this year. Now, don't forget, folks, that you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website, yankonthefooty.com. I do hope you'll consider checking it out. You can leave me a voicemail over there. You can share your views on an issue from the previous round if you got a question. And you can also get on the mailing list there. Okay? You can get on the mailing list there as well. I do hope you'll consider doing that so when new episodes come out, they come right to you. Yeah, I've had a couple of instances where... Some of the different uh, discussion boards have have not, um, you know, uploaded uh, episodes that I've posted, uh, and that happened with a few of them when I was trying to get uh, feedback from supporters this weekend. Uh, there were several that I did not uh, get the post actually posted onto their website for whatever reason or another. Maybe that maybe the moderators, the admins, were were out of town or whatever. That's that's perfectly fine. You know, again, I'm not. You know, if you're if you're uh, listening. Uh, I'm not there to sledge your club at all. I'm there to learn from you what you think about what's going on with your club. Hoping to find new uh, guests for the podcast as well. Uh, I've got a couple interviews that are in the can that I have to finish editing and get out to you. Uh, I've got another one that I'm going to be doing in a little less than 12 hours. Uh, really looking forward to that one. Uh, a gentleman who's doing a very unique uh, podcast uh, has announced uh, VFL for a number of years as well. And I just think, I, I think I could probably listen to this gentleman reading the phone book. His voice is that professional sounding. It's just it's just a real joy to listen to him during his discussions that he's having. So folks, again, also over my website, if you want to leave a review there, you can certainly do that. It's a real help to the show. Let's me share that review out on, so, on the social uh, platforms to let people know what other folks think about the podcast, hoping that maybe they'll want to check it out. If you want to help out the show, you can click on the little yellow button in the bottom left hand corner of my website. Uh, it's the Buy Me a Coffee page. Uh, if you're interested in any podcast gear, you can click on the uh, store page up at the top and it'll take you to my Redbubble store page. If you're looking for a sticker or a t shirt, something of that nature, or a Yank on the Footy socks, which I'm going to get myself a pair of those because I, uh, I think they're pretty sharp looking, and they're going to match my new shoes that I just got recently. So before I dive in, though, I wanted to give a big thanks uh, to Peter S. Uh, sent me a uh, tube of posters, uh, sent me a scarf, as well as, a, as, well as a, a cat's pen. But there were a couple of uh, what I would consider to be like 5-inch by 7-inch photographs in there. Uh, Joel Selwood and Tom Stewart. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, but several posters as well as, uh, including like one of the uh, the 2011 premiership posters from the Sun, uh, from the Herald Sun newspaper, and I'm looking around in my little recording studio, empty walk-in closet that I've converted, and thinking that they're going to look pretty damn good in here when I decide to hang them up in here. So, Peter, thanks so very much, man. I I truly truly appreciate you. Uh, Setting that, you know, and again, you know, also folks, if you happen to have a sticker for your local footy club and you want to drop that in the mail, uh, the Virginia Lions just sent me one this past week and I can't wait to get back into my classroom so I can put that on my desk. Would absolutely love to, uh, to advertise or to promote your club uh, in my classroom. Uh, definitely give you a shout out as well here. But let's jump into the uh, the big news for the the week, and of course, you know, the the big thing happened at the MCG this weekend, uh, the incident with Tom Stewart and with Dion Prestia, uh, the concussion. You know, it, Stewart has now gone to the tribunal. He's going to be out for four games, um, and I think that you know, would I have loved to have seen it be less? Sure. I, again, I'm a cat supporter. I would love to see it less. I mean. But I get it. I I truly understand what the what the cop is trying to do. Could he have prevented it? Very likely. Very likely. Do I think he's a malicious player? Not at all. Now, some of the, the comments from the Richmond supporters that I'll share tonight will be a little bit different than what my thoughts happen to be there. And that's perfectly okay, because I wanted to get the insight from Richmond supporters in terms of what they're thinking. And, of course, then some of the Cat supporters were digging back into history and going, hey, you remember that time when this happened with this player? won't mention any names. Trent Cotchen. Um, So a little bit of going back and forth between them there. So, you know, uh, his shoulder, you know, Indipresi is going to cost him four weeks. Uh, Just thankful that it's not, you know, finals time. You know, they lost, uh, they didn't have, you know, Stewart in the finals last year, which was not helpful to them. Uh, I do hope, you know, first and foremost, I hope Dion Prestia is, you know, going to get well soon. That that everything's going to clear up for him. That he's going to be okay. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's the kind of thing that I think happened with great regularity for uh, those of you who are roughly my age, who are listening, who have been watching the game your lifetime. Uh, That probably was that would have been something where people would have thought, oh, what's the big deal? He'll be back out on the ground in about 15 minutes. And I did an interview last week with Sean Smith, who played with the D's and with the uh, Ruse, And we talked about that very same sort of thing where, you know, you get your bell rung, so to speak, and you're back out there very shortly. Now, he had an interesting take on what to do about that. And I cannot wait to bring that interview to you. I just have not, uh, well, okay, like I already confessed, I was watching Underbelly this weekend, so I didn't get as much editing done as I needed to do. Uh, So this is something that uh, I brought up uh, probably a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago in the podcast, asking this question. Um, I'm not a soccer fan at all. I I joke saying that soccer is a communist sport because they don't let you use all of your body parts. They penalize you for being faster than your opponent. You know, I'm just—I mean, I announce soccer for my the the school teams where I teach, but I, I don't watch soccer beyond that. Okay, it's just I'd, I'd I'd rather watch footy 11 times out of 10 if that's my option. Okay, but the one thing soccer has is that red card system, and and I get Stewart being suspended. Again, this it, trust me, I'm not. uh I'm not going to sit here tonight and say that he should get off scot-free at all. I'm not saying that in the least. But um, I am wondering, would it be a good idea for the integrity of the game that in a situation like that where what happened with Prestia, and again, I'm, I'm asking this, and I don't, I don't have the right answer here, and I heard other people bringing this up. I think Kane Korns brought it up this weekend as well. Uh, to have some sort of a red card system because, you know, Stewart's going to be missing, you know, four subsequent games. Uh, let's see, it's North Melbourne, Melbourne, Carlton, and Port Adelaide. Some pretty good clubs coming up there. Uh, you know, he might have gotten, let's be honest, you know, full disclosure, he might have gotten rested during the North Melbourne game, possibly. It could happen. But, uh, you know, he stayed in the game, played it. You know, played a key role in the game. You know, took that mark at the end of the game that kind of shut things down. And during the last, you know, inside fifty for, for the Tigers. But would it be, would it be the the right idea? Because again, you know, if he's getting suspended for four games, some of those clubs that he's getting suspended against are ones that, quite frankly, Richmond would like to see Geelong beat because they're directly ahead of them on the ladder or they could be I should say. Um you know Melbourne is not yeah, Melbourne's up at the number 1 spot. Carlton is is at number 5 right now, I 4 right now. Uh Port Adelaide is right behind them, but you know, let's say it was a Collingwood. You know, Collingwood is sitting there at I believe number 7. Sydney's sitting there at number 8 if I'm not mistaken on the ladder. And let's say that the Cats were playing I'm sorry, Sydney is 6 Collingwood seven, the Bulldogs are eight. So let's say that, that the next three games, those three teams happen to be the, uh, the, who are the Cats were playing. Well, yes, it's punitive action being taken against Tom Stewart. But after that game, you know, Richmond might be thinking to themselves, you know, we need those clubs in front of us to lose to help us get back into the eight. And Stewart would help with doing that. Now, again, I'm not saying that, you know, that the, uh, that, boy, that would be that just popped into my head. Would that be a radical thing there? Where if the uh, if the player was suspended for four games, what if the, this just popped into my head? So I just get be completely off the wall here. What if the club that was affronted, Dion Presti's club, the Tigers, what if they got to choose the four games? You know, maybe during the rest of the the rest of the season then. What if they what if they're able to say, well, we want them to play against North Melbourne because they're probably going to win that one anyway. But you know, we want them to to hold off and play against, you know, to not play against somebody else down the road. So let's look, for example, here I'm just gonna pull up the cats uh uh fixture here, uh the rest of the way. Uh you know, they again they've got the Ruse, the D's, the, the Blues, the Power. Then they've got the Bulldogs, the Saints, the Suns, and the Eagles. Well there's the Bulldogs and Saints and the Saints are right about in the same boat as Richmond. You know they're prob- they probably are not going to catch the uh, the Ds. They're probably not going to catch the Blues, but they could hold off Port Adelaide certainly. they could possibly in- and are-, are close to catching the Bulldogs. So what and I guess this popped into my head. what if they were allowed to decide? and I get and that's really, really arbitrary there because you're bringing a guy back and saying, no you can play this week but not the next. I mean, that's a really dumb idea, but it just popped into my head as I was as I was thinking about that. But you know, as far as the red card thing, because it would it would benefit the Tigers in that game because they went a man down you know, and they brought in their their emergency, who was happened to be their ruck because they sat their ruck down at the, at the outset of the game. And I know there was a lot of question about the the logistics of having uh, your ruck be your your medy sub. Um, but, again, I don't, I don't know if there's a right answer to this, okay? But uh, here in the United States, in college football, they have what's known as a targeting rule. And what the NFL and what college football and high school football are doing is they're trying to eliminate players from using their helmet as a weapon. Because for generations of playing football, once the helmet was introduced the the defensive player or even the offensive player would use that weapon that helmet as a weapon as a battering ram if you will to put that helmet into the into the sternum of the opponent or into the rib cage when they bring him down to try to knock the wind out of them but of course the the, the problem with that is the head injuries the neck injuries that take place there've been instances of paralysis i have a a former student of mine who played college football at the ohio state university who was severely injured in practice, uh, and is spending the rest of his life, you know, and he's, he's having one hell of a life doing some fantastic things. But this was, this was a young man who was a, you know, a, a terrific wide receiver was a state track star running in the state track meet. And he's in a wheelchair the rest of his life because of, of this type of a situation. And, and I think it was, he actually had contacted the ground with his helmet when that happened, but what the college football games do now is that they will eject a player from that particular game if they'll they'll go back and look at the replay they'll stop it and they'll look and say well yes that you know the the call for targeting is upheld yes he led with the helmet he's out so he's out the rest of that game and if it's in the first half of that game he finishes out the rest of that game and then he's also suspended the first half of the subsequent game or if it's in the second half of the game that he's in he is He's out for the rest of that game, then the entire next game. So it's been designed to try to take the use of the helmet out of the game. So, you know, let's be honest here. If Tom Stewart comes out of that game in the first half, well, I don't think Richmond's sitting in the number 10 spot on the ladder. I think they're probably going to win that game. Okay? Um... Because it's gonna, you know, it's gonna make some changes. You're gonna probably bring Jack Henry back down out of the forward line. Uh, we're gonna talk about it here in a little bit. But you know, the Tigers did one hell of a job on Tom Hawkins. It was interesting, interesting to see Jeremy Cameron moving up the ground the way he did. Um, you know, Tyson Stingle had a great game, but it certainly would have changed things up if Tom Stewart's out of the game. And maybe you have him come out of the game, but you do not allow the medi sub to come in. So you're you're down a player in your rotation. I mean, maybe it's that severe of a penalty. I don't know. Maybe, and again, I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong answer here. I'm just tossing this out as an idea. Um, so I just, I just really was curious to know what your thoughts were on that. So I'd love to hear from you. So if you want to drop me a note over on my website or over on my uh, um, my Facebook page, a Yank on the Footy podcast, love to hear from you there. Uh, you can shoot me an email at uh, yankonthefooty at gmail.com as well. So I also wanted to talk about uh, – one of the feel-good stories of the last couple of years, and it was, it could have been a tragic one, but Magic Daw has announced that he's retiring immediately. He had another, I guess, a, a chest muscle injury. I think it was a pec injury uh, during practice, during training, where he's uh, stepping away from the game now. It was great to see him get back out there after his accident uh, back in 2018. I think it was 2018. And if you've not had the chance to do so yet, I strongly encourage you to check out Narrowly Meadows' podcast, Ordinarily Speaking. It is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And she is interviewing, uh, I, I've listened to probably a dozen episodes. And I know uh, Adam Treloar I've listened to, Nick Natanui, um, You know, uh, this one, other ones that escaped me, uh, other athletes from other other sports that I've listened to. And just the stories that so many of these people have that they're telling about the way that they've had to overcome things in their lives has been tremendous. And, you know, she got into the uh, discussion of, of you know, how Mad Daw found himself playing this game and delved into the events that led to uh, this tremendous comeback that he's had over the last couple of years. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to her her show, I, I would strongly encourage you to check it out because I think you might have a different take on some of these athletes and you might become a fan of somebody that might be wearing a different colored Guernsey than your club. Now I'm just going to say right now, I'm, I'm a huge Adam Trellor fan because of what I've heard, uh, in, in his discussion there, magic doll. I wish him absolutely the best. Now I have heard some rumblings, but I've not been able to confirm it that that Josh Kennedy from the Eagles is going to be stepping down here towards the end of the season, that he's not going to be going on any more road trips at the club and he's going to be retiring. Uh, one heck of a way to go out this past weekend with that five goal game. But let's look at some of the gains from uh, this round. Okay. We're going to look first off at, uh, Melbourne and Brisbane. Now I did not get feedback from clubs from every game. Like I said, some of them, the, uh, the posts did not end up on the website, on the the Facebook groups. It's okay. Uh, this is where I would love to eliminate the middleman and have you, you know, reach out and, and send me notes, uh, or send me you know, voicemails and such that I can incorporate into the podcast. I mean, I would love to go that route with it. But let's look at the Melbourne and Brisbane game. And and again, full disclosure, if you listened to our tip episode last week with Mick Ossie, I got this one wrong. I think I had Brisbane by 10. Uh, it turned out I was kind of right. It was Melbourne by 10 goals. Um, you know, I was waiting to see what was going to happen uh, with the captain not there, with Max going out of the ruck. You know, it's going to be a hell of a big responsibility for Luke Jackson to step in. And he had a tremendous game. Now, Oscar McInerney, you know, did win that hit-out competition. um, But Jackson looked an awful lot like uh, Max Gone, covering a lot of ground. You know, as I I joked online, I said I was, you know, waiting to see, uh, you know, how Robin was going to do without his his Batman. Well, we got the announcement that uh, the DC Universe is going to go ahead and have its own separate Robin film now because he did a great job. You know, Mac, you know uh, like you said, McInerney didn't win the competition or did win the, the hit out competition, but uh, Jackson had 21 disposals, three clearances, six inside 50s, and nine tackles. You know, Jack Viney had a great performance with 34 disposals, seven tackles, 10 inside 50s, and eight clearances. Phenomenal game on his part. You know, the Ds, they just kept their foot on the gas pedal after the first quarter, and they just continued to put distance between them and the Lions and to add on to their percentage. Uh, it just was, it was just, I wasn't expecting that. I thought this was going to be a much closer contest than it turned out to be. Hugh McCluggage, you know, paced the lines. He had 27 disposals, 11 tackles. That's huge. A half dozen inside 50s. Now, some of the comments that I got from some of the supporters, from some of the Melbourne's, Melbourne supporters, uh, Katrina said, a huge relief more than anything. It wasn't just a win. It was a big win. I'd say our best game of the year. I'd been worried about the first half of the season, even though we, they were winning, they weren't really satisfying wins, and it was frustrating. You knew the team could bury sides, but why were they just coasting? Tonight was the first time they looked like the 2021 side. I'd say it's probably true. Amanda said last night's game was a uh, return to Melbourne of last year. So far this year, there have been signs of them for short periods of time, but no game was really convincing, even though they'd won 10 games. The second quarter and Viney's toughness was great to see. Uh, Scott said, really loved uh, the attack on the ball from the boys. Great game from Viney was really impressed with Bedford's game. Anthony said, how effective were Bedford and Pickett in the tandem? Walter said, and I, I love this, I thought it would have been a lot closer than 64 points. Nice number, that at that, that number there, and historically significant, significant until last year. I was stunned by how well the team gelled without Big Maxine and it was great to see those telling marks by Mr. Lever to stop the, uh, the Lions' momentum in the last quarter. And also, what a game by Jack Viney! Lead lead the team like the champion he is. Go D's! I'm looking good again. Now on the Brisbane side, uh, Paul said Jackson was in the top four for best on ground. Viney, Oliver, Petraka. Sadly, the Lions played poorly, but always next week to bounce back. Sanders said Big O was all over Jackson. He had a he had a great game. Oscar Zach followed up with that and said Oscar probably won the hit out battle, but Jackson's work around the ground and his follow up play was too, just too classy. Not many ruckmen can stop him. Good game by Oscar, just beaten by a better and more athletic player. So, some fair statements here from the uh, the Lions supporters. Uh, now let's move on to Hawthorne and the Bulldogs. And just one it looked like the Bulldogs, this was, this was a game where the Bulldogs actually looked like the club that I tipped to win the grand final this year. Great performances all the way around. You know, they scored a goal one time, once every three times they got an inside 50. And they scored a point at least half the time. Or they scored half the time. So 50% of the time they got the ball in, they were coming out with at least one point. Libertori, uh, McCray, and bondapelli they averaged between the three of them 29 disposals, 5 and a half tackles, 8-and-a-third clearances, and 7 inside 50s. Just a phenomenal effort from the three of them. Just phenomenal. Luke Bruce, Mitch Lewis combined for seven goals for the Hawks. Yeah, this was, you know, this was the kind of game that we kind of expect the Bulldogs to play, and they did it without Tim English. Young Mr. Sweet did a nice job in the ruck for them. So you get English back in here again, this this club could take off and start rattling off some wins here. Now, as far as the Hawthorne supporters, uh, Dominic said, I think there were some positives first quarter and last quarter. Hardwick's effort on Waitman, James Blanca's debut, Mitch Lewis's game. Ronnie said, one, signing Lewis on for four more years is clearly the right move. Four goals is what we need from a big key forward. Three or four goals a game now on average the more he matures. Uh, number two, Demma had a great night negating Waitman. That's true. Uh, number three, uh, the debut of James Blank was more than justified. Already looks like he'll be another midseason win for us moving forward. Four, the first quarter showed what the team can do. Now it's just a matter of making it more than one quarter. And if, or rather when, it becomes four quarters and look out. That will come as the younger guys gain experience. And then number five, he said, uh, I have a good sense to stay off Facebook last night, so I'm learning. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, Peter said, we kicked 10 goals. I'm sorry, we kicked more than 10 goals. Uh, on the Bulldog side, then Karen said, terrible start again. Same as the Geelong game. Just lucky we weren't playing a team in the top eight. Jeff said, uh, we did what we should have done. Slow start still hurting us. Shecky's field kicking uh, gets a little attention, but it's fantastic. Westy continues to develop as an important player. With the Kennel, we're all aware of the value of Libba and McRae, but they don't always get the accolades they deserve from outside our club. Uh, things are falling into place towards the back end of the season with more players returning from long-term injury. We're well-equipped to push into September action. David said, as soon as we started pulling tackle pressure on, uh, especially forward pressure, when we didn't have the ball, we seemed to, to force the turnover, and I think that that's where we wanted to get on top. Once the doggies do that and get on the roll, they are arguably one of the hardest teams to stop, and I, I would agree with that. Uh, Sherry said, one, Libba is the heart, of, heart and soul of our club. Two, Riley is a classic example of a kid who never gives up. Uh, three bot looks to be moving a lot better, so hopefully that continues. Uh, four JJ looks like he's getting his 2016 spark back. Then we move on to West Coast and Essendon, and if you didn't watch this game, folks, go back and watch it because this was one of the probably three most entertaining games of the weekend. It really was. It really was. It was, and I and I I got this one right. I did tip West Coast. I said I think that with them having you know the, the West Coast supporters stand behind them, they're going to show up. They had a decent crowd there. They were vocal, and it worked out for them. You know, like I said, until the Cats and Tigers game, this might have gone down as the most exciting game of the round. Uh, and of course, then you got Port Adelaide and uh, Gold Coast as well that we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, the fleet-footed and agile Josh Kennedy kicked a bag to lead the club that has arguably had the worst luck regarding health this year. They have. You know, the Eagles are just about back to full strength. Sounds like Nick knacks going to be back this week. And they're going to spoil some finals dreams before this year is over. And I did see an article today. I didn't read it yet, but I saw the headline where Nick Nat Newty's basically stating that uh, that they want to have a say-so in terms of who plays finals. And I think if this club gets healthy, and I haven't looked at the rest of their fixture the rest of the way through here, but they could certainly disrupt some clubs' plans later on in the year if they're healthy. I know they play the Cats one more time at Cardinia Park. You know the Bombers had some terrific performances around the ground from Dylan Shield, Peter Wright, Zach Merritt, and Jake Kelly. But you know West Coast, it was just just an exciting win for them to to get that second win to 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 push themselves out of the basement, out of Wooden Spoon contention there. Looking at some of the West Coast supporters, uh, Russell said, love the way that Barra stepped up every time Gov was out. Uh, Connor West always gives 100% commitment. J.K.'s five goals haul and running up and down the ground. Huge four-quarter effort and was rewarded with the win. Still a lot of work to go, but there are more positives than they can can take out of this than negatives. Wayne said, our ball movement was very good. They seemed to always... Looked to go through the middle. We were sloppy early, but tightened things up quickly. Our defenses in the second half was uh, very good all over the ground. JK, great game. Probably could have had seven or eight if players didn't get in his way. Well, uh, yo, just a brilliant player off halfback. Attacks hard and is a great reader of the game. Waterman is proving his versatility. Ready to fulfill the potential he showed. Um, Hoff and Basso just love watching these two boys ply their trade. Real up-and-comers. Waza King who I had on the podcast, said the boys dug in and they didn't give up. Kept on the same game plan and a few times turnovers cost them, but they kept at it. Credit to Essendon, they didn't give up either. It was a cracker of a game for a bottom of the ladder clash. Big 2-meter Peter owned the first half, Barass the second, and an exciting duel. J.K. showed why he is one of the best Eagles ever in a, in a master class at the other end. Eagles fans needed the win and so did the players. I would certainly say that. And, again, you know, being a fan of, a, of an NFL club that uh, – That um, has been bad for so many years, and of course has done the, uh, yeah, made the decision with with Deshaun Watson, and and I don't know if you're an NFL fan. I'm just going to toss this out here because this popped into my head. Um, It's not lost on me that the NFL's uh, punishment hearing, if you will, to decide the suspension for Deshaun Watson for all of the things that he has supposedly done uh, with all of these different masseuses. Uh that began today. And ironically, um, it also uh began the same day as uh the uh sentencing phase for that uh that lady who was involved in the stuff with Jeffrey Epstein. Uh was it that Jesseline Max is it Maxwell? Uh, was given 20 years in prison. Um, today, she was sentenced to prison. Now, of course, they've not released any of the names that, that were involved in all of this. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are horrific lists of, of celebs and politicians and that sort of thing that, that, that got involved with the stuff that this guy had going on. Sorry, lousy sidebar there, but I just it wasn't lost on me that that sentencing was taking place the same day that Deshaun Watson's uh, punishment phase was going on here. Um, Michelle said, uh, Bailey Williams did a good job, we will build his confidence Yep, uh, was a force, uh, Yo was a force, just a force field everywhere he went Fierce all game They seem to be getting some connection back and playing a bit more uh, for each other Rather than doing their one bit and stopping uh, Let's see, here. let me go to some of the Essendon supporters uh, Thomas said, to be honest with you, we lead the game in some major categories But proved it's a simple game when you kick straight I thought we found targets inside 50 a little better than most of the year instead of bombing it long. We do need to find a good goal sneak forward pocket to replace Tippa. Yeah, and that's been that right there. You know, they knew he was going to be out for the first couple of rounds, but I don't think that the, that the and, and I, I wish, you know, Anthony McDonald, Tippin' and Woody the absolute best as he goes forward in life. But that that is a, a huge component of the bomber's, forward structure that is not there and they just not figured out how to replace that yet. And it's not something you can do in the middle of the season, the way that the game is played. Um, Ruben said, if we kick straight in the first quarter, we would have put too much scoreboard pressure for them to come back from. Uh, Richard said, the only positive thing was firming up draft picks. (laughs) Uh, Patrick said I thought Perkins was very good Jones will we'll just get better and better Reed should be playing Hobbs confidence building as is Caldwell with midfield time Shields was outstanding Gail thought I, was, I thought it wasn't a bad game up to halftime considering that it was two bottom sides inaccuracy cost us second half was frustrating to watch we could see what Gold Coast were doing in the forward pocket Truck needs to get back into the coaching box to see what's going on all over the ground not looking forward to the rest of the season Joseph said, every time we lose, the knives come out. Not easy to win in WA, just a time difference, giving the other team a few goal advantage. And uh, Jeff said, and this is a rather lengthy one here, this is again an SNN supporter. Jeff said, what nearly all of the experts, and he has that in quotes, seem not to realize is that West Coast has, has had a very interrupted year. They've had numerous players out through injury and COVID, but over the last three weeks or so, those players have gotten consistency in training and playing. Yeah, keep in mind, two weeks ago, they lost to the Cats by 18. I tipped them to lose by 13. I thought the Cats would still win, and I was about four feet or a meter and a half away from being exactly right there because they the last kick uh, went for a goal instead of uh, behind. Um, he said, coupled with the fact that they're a very experienced group, no one would have thought at the start of the year that they would they would have had the year like they did. I believe we're in a learning and culling stage of our development by that, I mean learning. It's a case of learning the game plan so that it's second nature to players even when under pressure. So they don't fall back into their old habits. Culling. It's sorting out the players that can learn and implement the game style at all times. There will be some who can't and will be culled. Do you do some homework and have a look at the lists that Clarkson, Hardwick, Thompson, Goodwin had when they took over the club over their clubs. And then see how many of those players were still there when their premierships arrived. You'll find that there's a pretty high rate of turnover. Consistency will come with experience. Without looking, I would think we have the highest number of players with 50 games or less each week and the highest percentage of players in the category on the ground. 50 games equals uh, being in the AFL system for about three preseasons, plus a number of players who, while playing 50-plus games, they haven't played 50 games at Essendon. So i put them in the same category as players with less than 50 games. They need to be reeducated so that style is played, that play is played elsewhere is not what they revert to when under pressure, just my thoughts. Coupled with the fact that we're uh, of all the recent top teams having had a poor season just before some success, that reason alone is helping me get through this frustrating season. And Jamie said from Ben Rutten, we, he said the 3 and 11 team would be better for the experience, however, and said they needed to stay the course despite the real prospect of having its worst season since 2016. We're clear as a club where we want, where we are at, and uh, where we are going in the path we're on, Rutten said Friday night. Well, that's comforting. Ha <laughs> So let's look at Fremantle and Carlton. Again, another round, another week where the Blues just dominate clearances with 50% more than their opponent. Walsh and you know, Walsh and Doherty combined for 70 disposals. Charlie Kernow kicked four more goals. Matthew Kennedy, Patrick Cripps each had eight disposals. Fremantle was actually more efficient inside 50, but Carlton had 64 inside 50s compared to Frio's 40. So even though they were more efficient, they didn't have nearly enough to make that efficiency work for them. Now, the Dockers are still sitting in the top four due to percentage, but the Blues are definitely closing on them. And looking at some of the, uh, the Fremantle supporters, uh, Julie said it's a heartbreaking loss. Is there anything more frustrating than supporting the Dockers? Well, Julie, try being a Cleveland Browns fan. But different game, different game. So I won't hold you accountable for that. Nick said crap football, lack of desire to get the ball or man up the opposition player, no roving the ball at contests, too many spectators in a purple Guernsey. Killed in the center, and basically we don't want to stay top two today. Anyone think anything different? Uh, Mark said, JL had a bad game today. Wrong decision to start Logue down back and worse decision not to change it. Another poor decision not to send H to the, to Walsh in the second half. Fife coming into the midfield rotation at the cost of Monday has destroyed our midfield mix. Lob not working hard enough to remain his, retain his spot for me. Hmm. Greg said, we, well, we gave them the ammo, but deciding to stretch the defense and telling the world about it. The full ground pressure was gone, and the midfield just didn't get moving despite Darcy controlling the taps. However, I did think Henry finally stood up and tried hard. Karen said, Carlton always seemed to have a player free, and they were able to get out of trouble, it seemed, by using that player to advantage. Robert said, "Looked flat after the bye, no real forward pressure, a lot of players down, confident we will bounce back next week. Uh, da, 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 let's see here uh, Chris said just wish we had a key forward who was hungry for the ball I wish our mids got I know our mids got smashed today but I don't think tabs or lob are good enough if we're to contend in September keen to get people's thoughts uh, ded, 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 ded. and then some of the Carlton supporters here Trevor said they played a good, very good team defense, very good team defense to hold the Dockers only 50 points yeah that's true you only give up 50 points in footy you ought to win every single time out with well, such a strong team and so many talls but our boys we're switched on and played four tough quarters of football against one of the top sides, and this will give the boys so much confidence and belief that they can beat anyone any day. If they put on a team performance like they did today, and it's the best preparation to play the teams on top, as they are the ones who will be pl- they'll be playing us in the finals. I love that confidence. I love that confidence. Absolutely over the moon with today's result against all odds. Love my blue baggers, no matter what happens. Gwenda says, when the odds and the so-called experts were against us, we rose up and showed just what determination can achieve. So good to be blue. Lydia said, the pressure our boys applied was enormous. They never gave up chasing. Our defense has held up so well. They have all finally gelled as a team, backing each other up with confidence. So proud of our boys. Mike said, incredible efforts all over the ground. Sam Walsh was clearly best on ground, always at the right spot. Sod is the best recruit in the last five years worth every penny. So clean and composed. Jack Silvani is the uh, barometer for the team for my, for me. Always gives 110 percent. Bleeds navy blue. Now this is this is an interesting statement here, and I and and it makes sense if you think about it. Uh, Mike also said I think Pittmanet going down was a blessing in disguise for Tom DeConing. He stepped up against a much bigger, more experienced ruckman, and has completely and I'm sorry has competed admirably. The team will be much better for it when Pitto comes back. Overall effort and hunger to to win from every player was the underlying key to the win. Fantastic coaching and execution by the lads. Ben said, A full team effort highlighted great 18-man defense. Well done, Michael Voss. And he put a little clapping uh, emoji there. Cripps, Kennedy, and Hewitt doing the heavy lifting to allow the polish of Walsh and Fisher to shine. De Koning is improving quicker than anybody could have hoped for. His maturity for young Ruckman is phenomenal and is clearly learning from earlier performances in the season versus highly rated opponents. When this midfield is firing, it makes it so much easier for even an understrength defense. And and you got you, you have to admit it, folks, even if you're not a Blues supporter, their midfield gets after it when it comes to getting clearances. I mean, they are they are really, really good at that. All the usual uh, played well today, but uh, Kemp is going to be a very important player down back in years to come, and Boyd is a potential rocket. Just wait, sorry, just a potential rocket just waiting to take off. So uh, let's see. Let's move on to the next game. Then Uh, Clifford said, "Well, very hard to admit, but after 27 years of heartache, I'm actually starting to believe genuine flag chance." Well, there you go. And let's look at the uh, the Richmond and Geelong game. And of course, again, this is my, for those of you who have not been listening very long, this is my annual head-scratching game. The Cats head to the Tigers' home ground for a Cats home game. Yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, I understand it. I understand that the idea behind it. It's Bottle, putting butts in seats and getting the Cats more money. Uh, having interviewed uh, somebody who works in the Cats front office earlier in the year, I know that they're pushing to get all of their games at GMBHA Stadium. And I think once the uh, the new stand is complete, they'll be able to uh, maybe have much more uh, force behind that argument. I think they got one extra game in Geelong this year. But, you know, it's... it. And I was talking to uh, to somebody else about this that lives here in the States who's a big footy fan, Donnie Hess from uh, the Des Moines Roosters, uh... But uh, um, we were talking about how you know he's a big college football fan as well. And I said you know think about it if you, you this, the stadium near where he lives seats I believe sixty five thousand people. But if the, if the 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 Big Ten Conference decided well you know what we really want to have more people in the stands we're going to have your you know your team is playing the University of Michigan or Ohio State this week we're going to send you to go play at the University of Michigan or Ohio State Stadium because the, those each seat well over 100,000 people because we want more people in the stands. Well, the problem with that is those people in the stands are more than likely going to be Ohio State or Michigan supporters and not Iowa fans. So while this is a, I understand the the logistics and the finances of the Cats playing a home game at and it, and I'm not changing it. I'm not, you know, I'm not changing the comp's mind. It's just, it's just, it's just one of those things that, as an American footy fan, that is a little irksome, knowing that it, that it's a a cat's home game, but you don't hear the cat's crowd at all because they're drowned out by the fifty thousand Richmond supporters that are there, or however many that were there. And again, Richmond supporters, good thing you showed up. I, you know, what if they want to do that? And, and let me toss it out here because you know I love to bring this up. If they want to put more butts in seats, have them play this game at uh, Marvel Stadium. Richmond supporters will show up for that, won't they? Won't they? I mean, it's not that much of a difference for the cat supporters to make that drive up the M1. Uh, you know. And I did see where somebody had driven down to, to Cardenia Park and was outside the stadium and flipped it off and such. I said, well, I'm glad to know they got the construction done on the M1 now southbound so they could actually you know bring Richmond down there. Hopefully they'll be able to play there next year. But again, like I said, it's 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 just something that you know from American standpoint. I just it's it's mind-boggling. I under I understand playing what you would call neutral ground neutral ground games, if you will, going to to uh, Canberra or going to Darwin or going up to uh, is it Townsville, way up in the uh, the north, uh, or going to you know the arrangement that Hawthorne and North Melbourne have playing games in Tasmania. I understand that. It's just, it's just one of those things that I've not, not been able to wrap my head around. That is what it is. So, um, you know, we talked about the, uh, the the big event that took place during the game already. You know, Shea Bolton, Tom Lynch, you know, kicked three goals apiece. You know, Bolton missed a couple close ones. Uh, young Mr. Rioli is going to be a fun player to watch also as he gets more experience. Tyson Stengel, Jeremy Cameron also kicked three apiece for the Cats. Um, you know, the Cats really mixed things up at the outset. You know, Gary Rowan was a late scratch. They moved Jack Henry up forward. And, and I can't remember the last time I saw Jack Henry up forward. You know, we were all excited. You know, as Cats supporters, we were all excited about seeing him come back into the defensive structure. And, well, lo and behold, he's not there. Well, I think he's probably going to be there for the next four games at least now. Um with knowing what's happened here. You know, Dangerfield's coming back in. If they need to bring somebody up forward again, they'll probably put Dangerfield up there, maybe not have him in the midfield uh, if that's what they need to do, if Rowan's not able to come back in. Um, You know, Richmond did a great job of shutting down Tom Hawkins. I mean, he was – you hardly heard Tom Hawkins' name during the course of the game. Liam Baker was phenomenal with 24 disposals, eight eight inside 50s, and seven clearances. Again, if these two clubs face off again – later on in the year in in finals well of course we already know where it's going to be played okay it's not being played in Geelong even though they may be the higher rank, ranked team <sighs> yeah uh, i do hope they're both at full strength cuz it's going to be one hell of a matchup and this this in my purview as somebody who's only been following the game for now almost 7 years six and a half years or so. To me, this is one of the biggest rivalries in, in the game. I, I think it has been. Uh, it'd be nice if we actually got to play it at our place, but I'm going to shut up about that now. Okay, so uh, let's look at what some of the Richmond supporters said. Uh, Jeff said, my thoughts on the game would not be suitable for public discussion. Uh, Glenn said, how can a player be knocked out of the contest with no free kick or even a stop of the game around him? Uh, Glenn said, close game, so why double the free ki- the freeze to the Cats? Joseph responded, "That's how it is every week." Uh, Sammy said, "Get Ross out of the side after his pathetic effort uh, to keep his feet in the most important center bounce of the game." Uh, Jeff said, "Different." Jeff said, "Report the umpires for gross incompetence. Any footy code will stop the game for a KO'd player." Now, let me ask you about that because I think I saw somebody. I, I didn't. I didn't include it in my notes here, but somebody said that the that the Tigers actually have to ask to have the game stopped. That there needs, you know, because that happened. Uh, Will Powell, Will Powell, the, the injury with uh, Gold Coast against Adelaide a couple weeks ago. I mean, the game went on, and you know, had the had the you know, kick ended up being behind from Tex Walker. I mean, the game could have theoretically kept going, but they weren't going to be bringing a stretcher out there for him. Um, Sammy said, Dusty hiding in the fourth, and Bolton's five meter misses week in and week out. I can give you so many talking points. Uh, Joseph again said, "If we have Balta, Cochin Lambert, and Prestia, if in in we beat them easily." Um, uh, da, 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 da. Lee Lee said, "Like I said elsewhere, after watching the Tigers tapes for the past month, Scotty would have thought that four weeks for four points was a fair swap." Um, and the note prior to that was umpire's report: the game was fantastic. Stewart was instructed to get Prestia well off the ball, straight for the player. I don't know about that. But Neville responded right after that and said, you're right, dirty bastards. Remember Dangerfield taking out Vlaston in the 2017 Grand Final? They didn't play in the Grand Final in 2017. Oh, did they? No, they didn't. It's 2020. Uh, yeah, so, yes, they got, you know, Mick uh, said, the Prestia hit cost us dearly, but good coaching got us, got us back in the game. And then it did. I mean, you know, you you looked at Dema during the first quarter. He's he's pacing around in the in the coach's box looking for answers. Okay, he doesn't have a he doesn't really have a clue what what to do. But they finally figured it out. You know, once quarter time hit, Richmond got right back into this thing. Um, you know, Baker, Bolton, and Pickett starred. Not for the not for th- uh, three turnovers in the last quarter uh, costing us a game. We all know the umps were pitiful. No fifty for the press to hit. No nothing. Lynch had his head ripped off holding the ball. Decisions that weren't paid. Our kids stood up, not worried at all. Good signs as we had no ball to Koch and Lambert, so not really worried. We'll be around five or six this season at the end. Okay. Well, that and that may very well be the case, yeah. Uh, Cat supporters. Uh, Brett said momentum rules the game today. Both teams would have wondered how did we lose that. I must admit I love watching the Tigers play, and tonight was no different. For the Cats, Stangling and Close were brilliant. Henry Strong hands up forward and views. Match-winning tackles add Cameron Smith. And have a few weeks of Stewart in the best. Uh, Scott said, was a very good response to the Tigers' run. No one saw it coming. Could have gone either way. Stengel was epic. Cheryl agreed. Cheryl said, I agree that Richmond, Hawthorne, Essendon never play at G plus Collingwood. See, I'm not the only one saying that. Actually, I put that in the post on there. Um, Peter said, I want to play at the G as much as possible. That's where the big dance is. Now, Peter, I've had people tell me that. But and i don't necessarily disagree with you on that but if you if you were to lose a game that was a home game that you had to play on the other other club's ground and maybe that that game cost you the chance you know an opportunity at the, at the double chance in finishing top 4 or finishing in the 8 don't you want to get into the 8 or get into the 4 and then worry about winning after that Rather than trying to get the experience here, I mean, I I don't disagree with, disagree with you necessarily. I just I just I just it's one of those things that it's like chicken and egg, okay? Which one came first? Uh, yeah. So let's look at the Port Adelaide and Gold Coast game, and this was one heck of a clash as well at the Adelaide Oval. You know, look at the stat sheet; everything was just about even. I mean, literally just about even. You know, Todd Marshall kicked another four goals for the Power. Thank you, Todd Marshall. You have really helped out my fantasy team this year. Uh, Riley Bonner, Dan Houston each rattled off 30 disposals. Carl Amon had 10 tackles. Tuke Miller had 30 disposals, 10 tackles, and 9 clearances, although he did kind of have a, a quiet second half. Uh, Rankin and uh, Chole each had three goals. I mean, these are two clubs that are going to be looking at one another over the next seven rounds or eight rounds as we go forward here because they're both 7-7. Seven and seven. They're sitting 11th and 12th on the ladder. One of them might find their way in. I mean, they're a game behind... The four teams ahead of them. Okay, they're a game behind the four clubs that are ahead of them. Because uh I'm sorry, the yeah, the three clubs ahead of them. The Bulldogs, the Tigers, and the Saints are all eight and six, and both of them are seven and seven. The Crows are five and nine. So you're probably not, you know, I don't see the Crows making, you know, a late season run to go from five and nine to getting into the finals contention. I just don't see it happening. But those 7-7 clubs could rattle off some games. We're going to learn some stuff this week because Port Adelaide's got Fremantle, and Gold Coast has Collingwood, and of course St. Kilda has Carlton, and Richmond has West Coast, and this isn't the West Coast of the first 8 or 10 weeks of the season. So that one could be interesting. So um, some of the Port Adelaide responses, uh, Sam said "What uh, was a good, hard-fought win. I thought a worrying sign was when Gold Coast got their outside run going. Our inside game was solid, which saved us, but our midfield group isn't switched on against quality opposition. I can easily see us getting smashed. Uh, Adam said we got beaten badly on the rebound. Uh, He also said going in without a Ruckman is a disgrace. Now, Jeremy Finlayson only had about seven or eight uh, um, hit-outs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Eric said, uh, Frio is a very good team will rebound after losing to Carlton this weekend, making it extremely difficult to beat them. While we've won seven of our last nine, we've lost to Geelong and Richmond in away games, thus making defeating Frio and Perth extremely problematic. While there's life, there's hope. Uh, Eric said, I was thinking, just thinking of, yes, it was a while back now, the 84 point win showdown, they were chasing all of us all day and catch us. Hashtag no hope, no hope, I should say. Uh, so they're looking forward to the, the Fremantle game. And that, and that should be one, uh, one heck of a game as well. I got a couple responses from uh, Gold Coast supporters. Uh, Brad said, it was a sad finish to the weekend, but how could you as a fan be unhappy? They had their opportunities to seal the game, but a few calls go your way in the last three minutes, and we could have stolen it. A four-quarter effort week in and week out is what we can what we continue to see. We will win more than we lose with those metrics. And Brett said, I unfortunately must concede he had a very quiet half. And this is talking about uh, Tuke Miller. Uh, Willem Drew swung the game with his tag. You know, and, and he did. He shut, he shut down uh, Miller. But when he wasn't tagged, he was pretty darn dominant. And again, you know, I I did see somebody on Twitter here. In the, in, I think it was somebody here in the U.S. That, and I, do, I don't recommend when they, when they discover the game and they're saying, well, you know, who should I support? I generally say, I said, I don't want to tell you who to support. One thing I'll do is I'll say, hey, go back and listen to the first episode of my podcast. Here's how I chose my club to support. I don't necessarily want them to choose a club that I'm supporting, but I actually did something. You know, They wanted to. They said that they wanted to uh, to support an up-and-coming team, and I said, well, if you want to support a team that's kind of on the ground floor of something that could be pretty good here in the near future, I said, maybe you think Gold Coast. Maybe you think Gold Coast. This is a club that next year, they may not be 7-7. Seven at this point in time, they may be ten and four. Maybe me nine and five at that point in time next year, if everything you know everything goes their way. Now let's uh, let's look at the last three games. Now I did not get any responses from anybody because these did not get posted for some reason or another. I did put them there. They didn't end up there. Again, if you're in these groups, I'm there not. I'm not there to sledge your club at all. I'm there to learn from your club. Okay, I I, I had the situation in a uh, in an Eagles group. Uh, when they played the cats, where I did mention, you know, full disclosure, yeah, you know, I, I I am a cat supporter, and somebody got upset that I was in their group, and they they went to one of the admins, and I got booted out of the group. Um, one of the other ones, I'm still there, and I and I'm thrilled. I had a great discussion with uh, one of the admins there, but it is what it is. It's not a real big deal. Uh, the swans, they cruised. Just a dominant win. I mean, it was. I you know, think this one could have been an even wider margin than it was. It was almost like you know a cat toying with a mouse in many ways. You know, the Saints have dropped three in a row, and the last two have not been pretty at all. You know, Jake Lloyd had a huge game, 39 disposals, 9 marks, 3 tackles. James Rowbottom had 8 tackles during the course of the game. The Swans held the Saints goalless for over half the game. And things don't get easier for them this week because they got the Blues this week. I mean, the the feel-good club of the year, the Saints in many instances, could be losing their fourth in a row here. This is not going to be an easy game for them with with Carlton because Carlton is just oozing confidence right now, which can get really messy, of course. Then we go on to Hobart to uh, the North Melbourne and Adelaide game. The Crows headed down there, took care of business. Uh, The Roos came out of the gate quickly. Uh, I watched the highlights of this one after the fact. I, I actually had it on, was listening to it as I fell asleep, uh, and it was a very competitive first quarter. I just couldn't stay up that night. I, I, I did watch the highlights the next day on it though. But they only kicked four, you know, four goals eight the rest of the game after the first quarter. So a little over a goal a game, or a goal a quarter the rest of the way. Hugh Greenwood had one of his best games with the ruse. He had 25 disposals, eight tackles, seven clearances. Uh, this is. Uh, and I hate to say it here, but this is this is the kind of game where, if you're somebody who's playing Super Coach or AFL Fantasy, where you're you know, and unfortunately you know it's the, who your club is you know who your club is playing has a lot to do with what you're what you're trying to do there. And I I have a feeling that people loaded up with some Crows players uh, for this game, realizing that there's gonna be a chance for them to you know to pad their stats a little bit. You know, Rory Laird had a great game. 34 disposals, 11 tackles and clearances. Tex Walker kicked six two, six goals too. Darcy Fogarty kicked four of his own. Now I have to tell you, I was I was sad to see the 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 grief that was going on with regards to social media with Taryn Thomas. You know, I I I feel bad for the passing of his grandmother. Uh, I, whoever it was that posted uh on his page, you know what, just. You don't know everything that's going on in the world. And, you know, yes, I'm here talking about this game on the other side of the planet, but I, I know there are more important things in the world than than footy, okay? Trust me. You see the weeds in my garden, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but you can't let it... You can't let it ruin your, you know, your your day or your... If it's, you know, oh, no, I didn't win my multi or I, I finished, you know, under because whatever, whatever it was... Doesn't warrant you know sledging somebody on their social media. I just I, I just don't see the point in doing that. And again, I, you know, and I, I think you know, Taryn Thomas, I think you know, I think he took it down afterwards. You know, had the comment where you know, I'm, I make you know, significantly more money than you do, that sort of thing. That wasn't necessarily the right response on his part either, but I think he did take it down and probably is feeling like okay, I shouldn't have said that heat of the moment. Um, this is why I close out every episode with just, you know, be decent to one another, be kind to one another. I mean, that's kind of how I go through things right now. I I used to be a curmudgeon. Um, you know, I, as I get older, I, I my my teaching ID that I wear at school, I, I always take my picture for this school yearbook looking as angry as I possibly can. I mean, looking like I'm looking like, you know, you stole my lunch money, you punched my dog, you know, you you you, you stepped in, whatever it was, you, you did something really bad to me. Um, I always take my picture like that because I tell the kids I'm looking out for them. I said, because, you know, 25 years down the road or 20 years down the road when, because most of my kids are 16, 17 year old students. Uh, So I said, you know, 15, 20 years down the road, maybe 25 years down the road, your kid's going to be flipping through their school yearbook and they're going to see my picture there and they're going to see me looking like a complete grump. You know, the Grinch would look happy compared to me. And they're going to say to their parents, are going to say, boy, this Mr. Wessels guy looks like a complete jerk. And I always tell them, I said, one of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, he was. And they're going to say, no, 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 he, he takes that picture like that on purpose. He was really a good guy. Let me tell you this story about him. So I tell the kids, I said, you know, I'm looking out 25 years down the road to help you communi- communicate with your kids that you haven't had yet. When there's that teenager chasm where the kids don't want to talk to you, I'm looking out for you. So, okay, let's look at the last uh, game of the weekend. uh yeah, it wasn't really the last game though, but Collingwood and GWS, again, this game had an 11-point spread, but it probably should have been more. You know, Collingwood had 22 behinds. Only 5 of them were rushed. They had 62 inside 50s, but only convert only kicked goals on 17% of them. Yeah, you figure you had 20 you had 17 behinds that you kicked. If even if you have you kick half of those as goals, you're you're adding another 8, another 48 points here. You're talking about an, almost a 60-point win here which would have been great for their their percentage. Uh, you know, The captain, uh, Scott Penelbury, had 19 disposals, 10 tackles. Darcy Cameron had another solid outing, uh, kicking two goals with uh, five clearances. Harry Hamelberg had another 11 marks in defense. Steven Canelio with 31 disposals, six tackles, uh, four clearances. Jesse Hogan kicked four goals. The Pies have won five in a row. This is a club that I have a feeling when it, when all the dust settles at the end of round 23, I have a feeling this club's playing finals this year. They are just doing a nice job. They're 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 fun to watch. Uh, it's just it's just an infectious kind of fun to watch this club play. So if you're if you're a magpie supporter, you gotta be pretty happy with what you see. Does sound like Jordan degoey was back at training today. Um I keep hearing that that, you know, folks mentioning, I think it was on channel nine, uh, Footy Classified, where they're talking about, you know, that the cats may be looking at bringing Jordan degoey down to Geelong because, you know, they brought Tyson Stengel in and uh I don't think that Eddie Betts is uh, Jordan Degoe's uncle, uh, or cousin, I should say. Um, I have no idea if they're going to be bringing him in. I don't have a clue, okay? Uh, we'll have to see what happens with them. You know, they Some of their draft capital are still recovering after the, the Jeremy Cameron trade, though. But, folks... An absolutely huge thank you to all of you who've reached out to share your thoughts. I appreciate your insight. Again, I am a cat supporter, but I'm doing my best to learn as much as I can about your club and every club in the comp. Again, I'm not there to to sledge your club at all. I'm there to learn from it. of course, I, I, as I've always said, I want to see my club win, but then I want to watch eight other great games. And this was one hell of a round here when we had what started out as the top eight sides facing off against one another. I'm really, really looking forward to what Round 16 brings. I tip my cap to you, uh, those of you who shared information with me. I did not uh, get through all of the comments because there just there just isn't enough time. I'm already rolling into about an hour in this uh, episode here. So, folks, I, we will be bringing you my uh, tips for Round 16 with Mick Aussie coming up again on Thursday. And, of course, we will get the, uh, the tips in for the first game of the weekend, the Brisbane uh, game that's going to be happening uh, earlier on then and that is Brisbane and the Bulldogs. So we'll get in touch with one another, share our tips for that one before the game is played. Don't forget that you can reach me by email at ayankonthefooty at gmail.com as well as on Twitter at yank underscore on. Look for me on Facebook at Yank on the Footy Podcast. Give me a follow there. And at Yank on the Footy on Instagram. Now, folks, if you head over to my website, ayankonthefooty.com, if you go there, that has links to everything. That'll that'll send you to my Twitter. That'll send you to my Facebook page. That'll send you out to these other places. I do hope you'll sign up for the mailing list so that when a new episode comes out, it'll be in your inbox as soon as it gets released. Okay, I, I love getting it out there. I love getting the, the episodes into your hands as quick as possible. I do hope that if you enjoy it, you'll share it with your uh, friends that love footy. Tell them about it. You know, maybe, you know, retweet it, you know, for the email. Tell them about this crazy American. And if you've got a... Uh, a footy story, or if you know somebody who's a a former player or a former coach or who has a unique story about footy, please, please reach out. Uh, head over to my website and uh, fill out the Register as a Guest page. Uh, shoot me an email as well, letting me know that you signed up, because I would love to talk to you. Uh, I, I really enjoy the the interaction of the interviews. I I, I I love talking about the games themselves, but I really learning about love learning about the games one on one for people. I you know the discussion I had with Sean Smith the other day was just I, I was it was great. I was stunned by some of the things that I heard, but just an absolutely wonderful gentleman. Okay, I, and I cannot wait to bring that one to you. I'm we'll have it to you a little bit later this week. Like I said, I have an interview that's coming up in about ten hours from now that I have to do a little bit of work on because this is somebody who knows their stuff and I'm really, really thankful that they are taking time to sit down with me. So, uh, folks, again, thanks for listening. We are fans of our clubs. Uh, We love this game. Again, if you do like the show, I hope you will share a link. I hope you'll tell your friends about it. If you really want to help the show, drop me a review over on my website as well. You can link right to the uh, Apple Podcast page and put one up there be a huge help to the show folks okay again thanks for your kind words as always may your dribble kick never ever hit that post i will catch you later This has been episode 181 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on Twitter or to thefooty at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Just look for A Yank on the Footy or A Yank on the Footy podcast. And check out the website at yankonthefooty.com. Again, folks, thanks for listening. Give it a share. Give it a review. And until next time, this is Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio. Have a great day, folks. Goodbye.